0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Brodude, Dude, and today we recorded an episode with At Chill Stable Guy. I just wanted to say up top, we had a great time talking about everything, uh, including his, his viral tweet uh, that happened recently where he took his old Ben Simmons jersey and made it into a diaper. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy that conversation. We also talked a little bit about the Sixers' first preseason game. Just a reminder, you can support the podcast by donating in the description. I put everything down there. Please rate the podcast, join the Discord, do all that fun stuff. I have to kind of plug this at the top of every episode because uh, I'm a total shill now. So please help support the podcast, whether you're reviewing it, whether you're donating 1, 2, 10, 15, whatever money you want to donate, it helps. I'll make more episodes. I'll do more shit. Um, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, I'll be back later this week with another one. So enjoy. Hey, you know on land, on yeah, yeah. We work to work you like to work a
1: Wow. You know my pet was colder than Chicago in December. Damn, my bitch came up and ankle with her mama was her daddy. Yeah. And when I'm in the mid when she yeah. say holla at your
0: family yeah. My dog paid me that cup till like candy yeah. yes. My dog
1: out lean low Ain't he bring no laws out serving on the rock Beats outside still fucking in the car Still flipping in the car Still shootin' at the car. Still yeah. Still yeah.
0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Brodude, and we are back with another episode, a very special episode with a special guest that is of viral fame, featured on many podcasts and tweets this week. We have a uh, chill, stable guy, a.k.a. Uh, the Ben Simmons diaper guy.
1: <laughs> What's going on, chill, stable guy? Hey, um, enjoying that. If anyone in the NBA knows me, it is because I wore a diaper on the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better thing to be associated with than being the guy who wore Ben Simmons' jersey as if it is a, a full body diaper.
1: And the the thing that I try to think about is that if Ball is Life retweeted it, someone who Ben Simmons knows has seen it, which means I have like a twenty percent <laughs> chance that that photograph has gotten to Ben Simmons.
0: If if we had even like a two percent chance of getting Ben Simmons back, that might have been the icing on top of the cake of him just being like, you know what, I'm
1: good. <laughs> Okay, so my favorite thing is a lot of people were very mad at me for being disgusting, but the thing that really got through to me is the number of people who were like, yeah, that's Philly. (laughs) You know, this is incredibly normal, actually. In
0: fact, it's not weird enough for Philadelphia that they would react this way.
1: And, like, I, I posted it thinking, like, 200 people were going to see it and find it funny. And then Trey Kirby retweeted it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so Trey Kirby from No Dunks quote tweets it and basically says, this is worse than setting the jersey on fire, which was the point, by the way. You reached out to us and you were like in the group DM and you were like, okay, what is something that I can do that is worse than setting the jersey on fire? Because I don't want to set the jersey on fire. And then you came up with your, your masterpiece, basically.
1: And what I'm most proud of, the other options were um, my friend has a machete, so there was the machete option, but that felt violent. (laughs) Basically, I didn't want to destroy the jersey, because that felt violent, and I like Ben, and I was excited when he got drafted, and I want to own that. But also, like, come on.
0: Yeah, I mean, taking a machete to the jersey might have sent the wrong message. I think that the the (laughs) fucking FBI might have shown up at your door.
1: And, like, my new... (laughs) I'm, I'm leaning into this angle to the point now where I think Ben is going to Minnesota, but I think he's holding off the trade until after Minnesota comes to Philly.
0: Oh uh, actually, that's not uh, that big brain of a take because I know that you said you want to be in attendance for oh, the rest. Yes.
1: I have I'm working on acquiring Minnesota Philly tickets and by that I mean I'm sneaking a diaper into the stadium. And hopefully a rattle, because if I can get on ESPN as the baby guy, I can really like push this bit to the next level.
0: Well, this this didn't get on first take. We were hoping that maybe Stephen A. Smith would get uh, wind of it and talk about it on the air, but it did get to the point where, like you said, Trey Kirby from No Dunks, which is a very popular podcast, formerly known as The Starters, was on NBA TV at one point, and... He, quote, tweets it. It blows up from there. And I just want to congratulate you personally on having Joy Taylor, just one of the most attractive people alive, (laughs) seeing you in a diaper jersey. How does that feel to know that you are living out the fantasy of so many men, of of Joy Taylor seeing them in a diaper?
1: My life dream for years was to be an assistant general manager in the MVA. And if I had squandered all of that hope in my heart to have a hot woman see my bare legs, then it was all worth it.
0: <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean maybe if Gerson Rosatz gets another job, you could get you could get a gig with him. He's he's into some weird shit.
1: He's the Minnesota guy who just got fired for over allegedly for accusations. For, for being a pimp? Yes. <laughs> for, doing, <laughs> for doing pimp shit, he has been banned from the NBA. <laughs> oh, for being extremely cool, that's, I get fucked from my job. That's why I like Daryl Morey, though. Because, like, I don't, first of all, I don't even know if Daryl Morey is married. I imagine him as, like, a Tibbs type. Like, he's married to the game. <laughs> he's married to the spreadsheets. Exactly, like Daryl Morey is not going to cheat on his wife. Like, if Daryl Morey's marriage falls apart, it's because he's like watching tape of a European sixteen-year-old at like four a.m. Like, which honestly, what is worse? Is <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> that's that's emotionally cheating. O- over scouting, over scouting players is emotionally cheating on your wife. He is married, by the way, and I know that he has a daughter, and she goes I- to NYU, I think.
1: I did have to – I got a le- – not a lecture. My wife did tell me she didn't want to hear about basketball players that aren't in the NBA yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, a- that's was better a-
0: than my girlfriend. My girlfriend doesn't want to hear about NBA players at all.
1: Because is it Victor, Victor Webinyama, if you oh, know who that a- is?
0: Yeah, he's gonna be a beast. I've seen footage of
1: I've seen yeah. footage of this. And I was like, yeah. I spent like five I was talking about him for like five full minutes, and she was like, and what team is he on? And I was like, Well, he's f- 16.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this feels illegal, maybe immoral. <laughs> the only basketball's the only the only uh, case in which you can watch footage of a teenager and, and it's totally acceptable. In fact, you could tweet about it, you could post clips of them.
1: Just ours, because at least in football, everyone feels guilty that these kids are like getting CTE, but with basketball, they just like funnel them to pro teams in Europe at 13 and like let God sort it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, soccer, basketball, uh, yeah, definitely feel a little bit morally uh, more pure for the fact that we, we like, every sport eventually ruins a player's body and fame can ruin their mind and all that <laughs> stuff. But football is legitimately just violence. Like I've actually, the funny thing about football is that like I stopped playing fantasy football for five years. I was just like, like every year all my players get injured. Like it just makes me angry. So I finally decided to do it because my girlfriend's family wanted to do a uh, few members of her family wanted to do one this year. So I said, yes. And all these players on my team keep getting hurt and I get angry. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> football is just a blood sport. Like, it's just, yeah.
1: it's just violence. <laughs> That's why football rocks. It's a game of attrition. Like, it's really it's, – the NBA's doing it now because no one gets to rest because of COVID. But it's that same thing of, like, if everyone gets hurt, it's all about, like, luck and who manages their time best. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: now as someone, as someone said yesterday, the NBA finals from uh, two seasons ago were being played on this day last year.
1: Yeah, not great, <laughs> not ideal to have three seasons. And the in- flip side of that is Kawhi is apparently coming back this year now. Says the Clippers.
0: Well, he has half a knee from from his degenerative knee issues, and he has another half of a knee post ACL. So he should definitely push through it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's going to be a really good Warriors Clippers play in where like half alive <laughs> Kawhi and Clay have to go at it for like most of the game. <laughs>
0: I, the last time uh, I, I think the last time that uh, Clay played in a basketball game, Trump was just elected. So it, it has been quite some time.
1: Real Jesus, I think you're Not actually. No. Oh, no, it would have been at least a year. I was like, it had to have been 2017 at least.
0: It's been like- <laughs> It's been like almost two and a half years since Clay last played, which was, uh, and he's still not playing until December. So That's at nuts. least he's taken, uh, he's taken a long break. Obviously he tore his Achilles and had a, a torn ACL. So you never want that,
1: but. because yeah, he tore his Achilles filming Space Jam, didn't he? Did he? It was that summer. He was like working out the summer he was filming Space Jam and he tore it.
0: Wow! Imagine, imagine putting your body on the line for Space Jam Two: A
1: New well, Legacy. It's because LeBum got him hurt, so he could win the Mickey Mouse title. <laughs> <laughs> well, that
0: didn't even work, dude. He already because wo- he already won the Mickey Mouse title at that point, right? Yeah, because he tore. No, he didn't tear it filming Space Jam because he tore it. Remember the day of the draft in twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, and they filmed Space Jam that summer, and then the ne- yeah no, he definitely. I'm. This is my new hot take: is that LeBron <laughs> intentionally like injured Clay in a Space Jam filming? <laughs> and that's why all the good players turned down Space Jam. They were like, you know what, LeBron,
0: like Giannis was like, I'm chilling, dude. Like fucking. Who else – I feel like there were, like, a ton of guys. Was Durant – I don't think Durant was in it. Like, I think there were a ton of guys that he tried to get in it because they foresaw him him trying to get them injured in a short (laughs) offseason. Playing against the Monstars. Uh, Back to your uh, Ben Simmons diaper tweet that everyone came for. Yes. Uh, um, So (laughs) – you heard the clip. Uh, someone had sent it to me or told me about it, and then I went and I found it. They talked about you on uh, one of the best podcasts on earth, the uh, the mismatch with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. Um, but Ke- Kevin O'Connor talked about it, and he was laughing. I expected it to be the other way around. I thought Chris Vernon – would be the one who would have brought it up and thought it was funny because it's a very Vernon thing, but he has you
1: blocked on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, so he wouldn't have seen it anyway.
0: (laughs) So why did he block you on Twitter?
1: Um, I actually didn't remember, so I went through my old tweets and I found it. Apparently two years ago, he was mocking Kyrie Irving for having mood swings in the locker room. And (laughs) I... From, according to my post, it said, uh, wow, all about mental health in the league until Kyrie starts having a bad day. Hey, Chris Vernon, get fucked. Which <laughs> was a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
0: I mean, let's be honest. Uh, first off, Chris Vernon, I am probably the only person. I, I can't tell if my brain is broken or not because – on one side, I, I stand Chris Vernon, and on the other side, I stand Kyrie Irving. So I think that my brain has just been so irony poisoned that I actually I'm a centerist in this argument because well, I think they both do cool shit that makes people mad and it and it makes me laugh.
1: I've always been a Kyrie defender, but he's starting to like push it for me lately because I guess he's on Instagram liking posts about how the vaccine is trying to like herd black people or something. I don't know. That's like what yeah. I heard. He's like in some like weird conspiracy Instagram shit which is making it like a lot less fun and a yeah, lot more he, like worrisome.
0: He, he's reached his uh, 2017 Kanye face of man, it was awesome you made everyone mad and it was funny when you would say shit and do shit but now you're like defending Bill Cosby and Trump and like doing things that like No person should do in public.
1: Meanwhile, I just, Chris Vernon, I like more now that I don't listen to his podcast and just appreciate that, like, there's gotta be like an eye test guy left. Like, you need a guy like Chris Vernon.
0: Yes, absolutely. He He hates spreadsheets and graphs.
1: Yeah, he's like hoops brain poisoned. And that's like its own reward because those guys like basketball more than anyone else.
0: Absolutely no. The, their their heart is in the game. Their mind is not necessarily in the game, but their heart is 100 in the game. Like, I love I love when KOC will try to bring up one of these like analytical darlings or like <laughs> someone who's like only liked by like 15 people on Twitter, and then Vernon's just like that guy fucking stinks. He st- that guy sucks. <laughs> he gets really angry. <laughs>
1: Otto Jr. is the new one. There's guys who are like, all they do is look at like contracts and stats and they try to like money ball basketball. Right. And then there's guys like us who are like kind of in the middle. Like right. I like advanced stats, but also like I like to watch guys play basketball. Like that's the part. And then there's, like, nobody enjoys basketball more than, like, a 17-year-old who's smoking a blunt watching KD Rucker Park highlights. <laughs> like, right now, there's, like, 200 guys in America just watching, like, the Clay 37-point quarter video on YouTube. And they're, like, the peak of enjoyment at basketball. Oh,
0: 100%. I mean, it, the perfect the perfect kind of basketball brain is someone who's, like, Oh, yeah, Devin Booker's definitely better than Luka Doncic and Jokic. Like yeah, also,
1: like, D-Lo is a walking bucket. <laughs> Karis LeVert, dude? Karis LeVert is my king. I, God, if they say, no, we'll get to that later, the Sixers Karis <laughs> stuff, because that, like, j- infuriated me.
0: <laughs> so... Uh, I think that the part of the reason why the Chris Vernon character is so funny to me is all the things that you said. He is, like, a pure hoop guy. Like, he loves a dog. He loves whatever. But my favorite thing is, like, when K.O.C. I kind of brought this up just now, which is K.O.C. kind of tries to get cute and, like, talk about, like, these, like, hypotheticals of, like, well, maybe Otto Porter will stay healthy and shoot 45% from three and maybe, like... You know Clay will come back from the injury and this and that. And he's like, get out of it. Ah, maybe, maybe. And he gets incredibly angry that KOC would suggest it, and he he basically just alpha's KOC to the point yeah. where he's like basically like yeah, yeah, yeah and he just kind of backs off the argument and he, he'll always bring up like certain players and certain teams and he's like that guy fucking stinks i just love that there is the balance of being able to just have someone basically when KOC gets a little bit too off script and a little bit too cute that that that, that uh, an alpha like vernon is there to put him in his place
1: because KOC is baby zach lowe like, KOC was hired to be Zach Lowe for The Ringer, and he's very good at it, and I like his writing a lot, but, like... I,
0: I think literally Bill, Bill Simmons said that on a podcast. Oh, really? He said, yeah, I'm pretty sure he said when he started The Ringer, he's like, yeah, we got this guy Kevin O'Connor, I think he's gonna be the next Zach. Like, he, like that was legitimately, like, the mindset that he had, and and... I've talked about this before. The difference between KOC and like, I think KOC is a decent writer. Like I think I I enjoy him on the podcast. Sometimes the difference between Zach and KOC to me is that KOC is such a positive, optimistic, like, Hey, like I'm here to talk about basketball. And like, he genuinely seems to enjoy it. Whereas I think that, that there's a relatability to Zach Lowe, where it's just like, sometimes he's just like, I don't want to talk about the Indiana Pacers and I just have to talk about the Indiana Pacers.
1: My favorite thing now is Zach Lowe's bit where any picks more than four years out, he assumes that climate will have dissolved the NBA by then. Yeah. I just talked about this on a recent
0: podcast. Like he, like that, that kind of, like, I don't want to necessarily hear it all the time, but there there's this George Costanza, element of like relatability to him that it's like is, yeah we're all thinking it but no one says
1: it yeah like it's important to remember that like in five years the Heat aren't gonna be in Miami and like what is that gonna mean for free agency <laughs> what is that gonna mean for literally the human race <laughs> yeah like what happens when they're like like I don't know what's southern city do- what happens when the Heat become the Sonics like no, <laughs> no one's re- well, then they won't get free agents
0: anymore. But the the uh, it's literally the Ben Shapiro thing where he's like, well, if you just buy property like in Miami or New Orleans or one of these places that are going to be destroyed by climate change, just move. <laughs> 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 like, that's the thought process behind it. It's like, well, Miami will just move to another area. and They'll be fine. Like, no, if the Miami Heat can't operate in Miami anymore – we're probably past the point where we should talk about basketball at all.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Like, the NBA is not going to matter in 10 years when Miami is underwater. (laughs) Either that or they're going to have, like, a team in London and, like, their India program is going to work out and there's going to be, like, 8 billion people watching it around the world. Like, that's the other option. (laughs) But, like...
0: (laughs) There's, there's no fans in the stands because of several pandemics breaking out, flooding, you know, end of the world chip. but we'll still be watching, dude.
1: Speaking of, did you see Kyrie still not vaccinated?
0: Yeah, like a fucking absolute pimp, dude. Just fucking... <laughs> him Just, uh, it's,
1: no one will tell him what to do. How infuriating do you think it is to the Nets that they can't trade him?
0: Honestly... As much as Kyrie has lost me with all this anti-vax shit, total labor king of like Ben Simmons too. By the way, just being like, "Oh, if you trade me, I'm just never going to play basketball again." So yeah, because like
1: Ben, Kyrie at this point doesn't need the money. Like I'm sure his Nike deal could keep him afloat for another five years, even if he doesn't play.
0: Oh, dude, Kyrie has made fucking over a hundred billion dollars in his career. He's
1: yeah, he can he, retire. He it like, doesn't matter. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. He and also. I do think that there is something to the fact that, like, and I talked about this before, like, there there's varying levels to not caring about basketball. There's, like, the Andrew Wiggins where it's, like, he's clearly talented, but, like, this is the last big contract Andrew Wiggins is going to get. He's getting the vaccine. Like, he's, he's not missing game checks like Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving or someone that might miss a game check and they'll still probably get another payday at some point this is it for andrew wiggins after this he's going to be getting like maybe mid-level
1: deals and like like, because the next cba should work out like andrew wiggins should be able to play for like an 11 million mid-level for like three years which is like yeah yeah, that's fine that's good for for literally anyone i mean ben simmons (laughs)
0: Ben Simmons just lost three hundred and sixty thousand dollars for not playing in a preseason game last night, and I'm like, cool. That would change everyone I, in my yeah. life's <laughs> life. Like, that would literally like, um, you could take that ben money Simmons. and give it to like. Have you heard about this idea about just giving Ben Simmons game check to random fans in the stands?
1: That would be like Ben Simmons last night could have bought my house twice cash. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ben Simmons buys your house because of the diaper tweet. He sees the diaper tweet and he's like, hmm, yeah, no, buy that guy's house and actually just destroy it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just tears it down. It will be. That's like my one dream now is like if Ben or KD had seen it because KD would have retweeted it just to clown on me.
0: <laughs> oh, 100%, dude. I mean, he re- as someone who has been retweeted by Kevin Durant because he thought that I was being a clown and clearly did not get any. of my irony. I can understand that speaking of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but, but now we we've moved into this phase of like Wiggins got the vaccine. Kyrie's not uh, vaccinated still, but I do think that by the time the season comes around, like even the Ben Simmons, like losing $360,000, like if he's not going to lose this, like he'll show up to camp and fake the injury. Like they said, before. Like, I think it will get to the point where, the, like, guys just aren't going to lose a ton of money, unless they're like Kyrie and they just are making a stand for something.
1: I legit feel bad for, in all of this, because Michelle Roberts just resigned, right?
0: Yeah, she did. did. Now, that? But, yeah, but, I mean, they have someone from, like, one of these, like, McKinsey. Like no, like no, I'm
1: sure whoever they hired is like an yeah. overqualified lunatic lawyer. I just mean like <laughs> it's gotta be awful to show up to work on your first day and they're like gonna get sued by the Sixers.
0: <laughs> like, Actually, yeah,
1: if, not, if not a bad point. And, if Ben Simmons shows up and fakes the injury, the Sixers are gonna take him. Like they're gonna go to the Players Association. Like it's gonna be like a whole thing.
0: Yeah, because Daryl Morey is a different kind of psycho, like, where it's, like, he doesn't, like, Daryl Morey doesn't believe in team chemistry or guys getting along or, like, anyone having feelings, basically. Daryl Morey just yeah. believes you put players on the court and they will win if they're good.
1: Yeah, and he, I I genuinely think Daryl Morey doesn't get that, like, the Benson situation is, like, out of his hands. <laughs> No, I, I don't think he does
0: either. I think that he sees everything as a leverage play, and I think he's a total psycho when it comes to this stuff, and he will not be seen as the loser. He cares He cares more about, like, l- winning and losing trades than Danny Ainge did.
1: God, it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It is a little I, – I have, I have let the doomerism creep into my brain recently. Like, I was kind of optimistic, like, two or three weeks ago when I thought either a deal would get done or Ben would show up to camp and, like, they would look good enough so that they could trade him or, like, the, the the young players would progress. But, like, we can just talk about last night's game a little bit. It doesn't mean anything. I just want to – I want to like contextualize this by saying a preseason game without Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris means nothing, especially because the Raptors were only missing Pascal Siakam. And they clearly had a bunch of young, hungry guys that were going out there and trying to prove something in last night's game. But having watched last night's game, I can't just feel, but just help just feel bad about everything.
1: <laughs> well, cause it's, It's one thing for Tyrese Maxey to be your theoretical starting point guard, and it's another to realize that Tyrese Maxey is, as of right now, not an NBA-caliber starting point guard.
0: The idea of it is great. The idea is like fucking... We're like, wait, a player that can literally dribble, get to the rim, he can kind of shoot... Like, the idea of Maxey in that role is fantastic, but... Now that, as you said, we've seen it play out a little bit, I can see that there will be some growing pains for sure, and I don't know how patient people will be with it.
1: Yeah, like, I like Maxi. I think in three years he could be a good starting point guard. Like, I think Tyrese Maxi's peak is a fourth or fifth starter if we, like, really want to be a title team. Like, I think that's as good as Tyrese Maxi is going to be. Okay, I think that's fair. Which isn't bad. I think that's, like, a high estimate, especially compared to where he got drafted. It's just, like... Watching last night, the big takeaways for me are like Isaiah Joe should probably be in the rotation. No brainer. Tyrese Maxey is probably not a starting point guard. And Furcon and Shake are kinda already who they are. <laughs> Which is Dyble too. Dibble is the same guy. Yeah, but Theibel, I still think, could get better. Like, I think, and I know Ferk I, is younger I, I, than him, but... I think the
0: opposite. I think that, for,
1: like, I here my thing with Theibel is, like, I think as
0: his role expands and he gets more minutes, that he can have more impact as a defensive player who's taking on number ones. He's getting better on that side of the court, whereas I feel like as an offensive player, he's just so incredibly limited from, like not really great at creating, not really great at passing, not really great at shooting. Like, he just doesn't have one skill set that he can rely on offensively to get to the point where he can develop his game to be, like, a starter-level guy as an offensive player.
1: That's actually pretty fair in a way that kind of bummed me out. (laughs) 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 I just, like, Thiebel is... but um, I still think he can get better defensively for sure. Like I don't think he's hit his peak there. And I think if Isaiah Joe is as like unafraid to gun from the logo as he looks for how old I know. I forget how old he is, but 22. Yeah. So he's like an old second year player, but like still for a guy who hasn't played much in the NBA to be like totally unafraid to shoot it from anywhere. is like something the Sixers haven't had in a decade at least. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was just talking about this. Like, I, I
0: talked about, like, I think that Isaiah Joe has the potential to be a top 20 shooter in the NBA. And the reason I say this is because, as you said, the Sixers haven't had someone who has near logo range. Like, occasionally, Covington and Redick would attempt those shots. But the reality of those guys, and like Seth sometimes, but the reality of those guys is that, like, All of their shots are created by other people, like, 99% of the time. Seth, maybe not so much, but he doesn't take as many pull-up threes as a guy like I feel like Isaiah Joe could. And then, so you have the fact that Isaiah Joe can shoot off the dribble, he can shoot off movement, he has insane range, and he's just an unconscious shooter. And it's something that the—and he's a decent defender!
1: Like, what is— Six and eight wingspan. That's my favorite Isaiah— that's my favorite Isaiah Joe number is six foot eight wingspan because he's that good a shooter and his arms are above his defender's head. Like there's nothing you can do about it at that
0: point. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that like you have like you have this this guy who the biggest knock on him right coming into the league was his size. Like they were like he's not going to be able to he's not going to be able to get to the rim and be able to finish because of his size. He's not going to be able to defend bigger wings because of his size. He's smaller in terms of, like, the fact that he's 6'4", but, like you said, he has a wingspan. He's He was underweight coming into the, the league. He looks like he's put on a few pounds. And, like, I've seen this guy now defend plenty of, like, dudes who are much bigger than him that try to attack him. Like, OG Ananobi tried to body him in the post last night, and he ended up taking a bad contested shot. Like, like there's no reason why I said, like... And this is this is why I feel so doomerous about this, is, like... <laughs> It's so obvious to me. Just a guy who has a podcast and watches games, and I go, Oh, the Sixers desperately need this skill set of a guy who can potentially have the ball a little bit. He can play off ball. He can defend. He's a wing, like, slash guard. Like, he fits perfectly. And he's like our 11th or 12th man and didn't I... even play until the second half of the
1: second quarter. You should be playing Isaiah Joe ahead of Shake Milton. That's like my. Hundred percent. Like Shake Milton's like a good backup point guard, I guess. But like, I'd rather have is Isaiah. Jo- well, I mean, I, no, but <laughs> I mean, he's just like he's better than he's a better ball handler than Isaiah Joe. Like, I trust Shake Milton to like run the offense better than Isaiah Joe. But at that point, I'd rather just have Tobias and Furcon do it. Like,
0: right, exactly. And that's that's my whole thing is like, like. And as much as Maxi and Shake both struggled last night, especially earlier in the game, uh, I think that if Shake can get back to the point where he was when he was the Sixers' third or fourth best player to start last season, and he was being aggressive, getting downhill, getting to the. Get into the hoop one dribble pull up two dribble pull up the hooper shit the hooper shake yeah, shake
1: can- was on his like hoop brain shit where he was just like creating mid-range shots which like you don't want him to do every play but if he can do it he should do it but the issue, as you said, is that the Sixers
0: don't really have a clear guy that is a backup creator that can play make and like shake made that nice bounce pass to boss on the baseline. Like the Sixers basically have, without Ben Simmons especially, have created a roster of
1: no good passers. <laughs> like, no, like
0: boss like, is probably our best passer.
1: Yeah, like Embiid should not be a top five passer on the team. <laughs> right like that has been his biggest weakness like
0: tobias doesn't process the game well enough is it a good enough passer like seth can occasionally make some reads and some decent passes maxi can occasionally do that shake can but like what it comes down to is like right now like I i think that and this is something that i fell victim to last year when everyone was talking about like the clippers needing a point guard Like they were like, oh, the Clippers just need a a table setter. They need, and I'm like, okay, well, who is that player? Because, and Rob Flom, who came on the podcast, brought this up was like, okay, so you want someone who's going to take the ball away from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but they're not as good as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like the Sixers are in a situation where, like, yes, Shake. Is a in theory a point guard, probably more of a combo guard, and Maxi is in theory a point guard, probably more of a combo guard. But if you just have enough guys who can dribble, shoot, and pass out there, and maybe have, like you said, Tobias or Cork Moss or Embiid or whoever always running the offense through those guys that it would probably end up better. If you just surrounded those guys with spacing and then ran a bunch of actions for them because shake dribbles into defenders. He dribbles off his foot. Like unless we get old shake back, this, this is not going to work.
1: No. And like one, when you mentioned someone who needs to like run the offense and like set up the offense Last year people talked about Chris Paul to the Sixers, and I thought that would have been a horrible idea, and I realize now that I way overthought it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was very much uh number one on that bandwagon for like two See, years.
1: I was like, why would you ever want an old man to be with this like young team and then the Suns did it and it worked perfectly <laughs> because Chris Paul is a genius?
0: Right. <laughs> and and also, was like, also like half of the league was dead from COVID.
1: Just like smart guys who know who to get the ball to is an underrated skill in the NBA at this point, and the Sixers have none of them without Ben Simmons.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is like like I I think that the Sixers not having that primary guy basically having an entire roster of Embiid plus secondary guys, and then Tobias, who kind of like. Is not really a primary guy, but kinda is. Like he's kind of like a fake version of a primary creator. So like you have those guys, and then when you take Ben and like the fact that he will push the offense in transition and get you easy points in transition, then that could potentially be. And once again, Embiid did not play in this game. This is not how the Sixers will look. But like if you if you if you have. Andre Drummond running the offense from the top of the key, what is the point of that? Why are you pretending like Andre Drummond is Joel and B?
1: Or like I and I guess like the best ball handler after Maxi then is gonna be Tobias. Like if you're gonna send Maxi to the bench first and bring out Furcon or something, then Tobias is gonna have to bring the ball up and that's its own whole problem. Yeah. Because look, so, if Tobias is 35 feet from the basket, he's not doing anything. Like, he needs to be able to like run around.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, the, the, there is a... There's a lack of transition creation that will be an issue. There's a lack of half-court creation, which is why... Oh my god, sorry. The, it the, just hit the, me.
1: This team is gonna be slow.
0: Dude, they're so unathletic. They're so <laughs> unathletic. I was watching George Niang... And, like, Furkan Moss and, like, like, fucking, even, like, Shake is not that athletic. Like, like honestly, all, of all the guys in the Sixers rotation last night, uh, Matisse Thibel was by far the most athletic, and he is just, like, a zero on offense.
1: Yeah, it didn't hit me until right now that, like, if the Sixers get a rebound, nobody's gonna run the floor. Because, like, Seth Curry doesn't go past the three-point line, Tobias Harris is slow, and Bede is slow... Danny
0: Green is 75 years old.
1: Danny Green is yeah, Danny Green is holding on to the NBA because he's taller than JJ Reddick. And then Maxie is gonna be like sprinting up and down the floor.
0: Literally, Maxie might be the only player that like and, and that's another benefit of playing Isaiah Joe. Having young guys that are hungry and just want to run out in transition and catch. Like, he he got a he got a steal last night and hit a pull up three in transition. And my
1: brain almost exploded. Like, and I've Doc never is, seen that. Doc is Doc, so he's going to play full bench lineups that make us all want to die. And so,
0: <laughs> there's right, going to be
1: games, thing. Okay. Like, like, you're going to turn on the
0: TV. Me was oh. the fact, he didn't really play them all that much last night. Until like later in the game. Like he was mixing in some of the starters with the bench unit, but the problem is your two three your three best starters are out. So that's not what it's gonna look like when you're running those kinds of lineups.
1: It's just nuts to me that you're gonna turn on the TV and the lineup's gonna be like Shake, Joe, Furcon, Mike, Scott, Drummond. <laughs> I'm gonna want to well, you- throw myself out a window. <laughs>
0: Mike Mike Scott isn't even on the team anymore, so... Isn't he?
1: Have I been that? Am I that behind?
0: Yes, Mike Scott is no longer in the NBA. He didn't even side with the team.
1: I I did not mean to smile that wide. I like Mike Scott fine, but I'm very happy to hear that he is no longer on the team. I genuinely believed he was still on the 76ers. No,
0: no, no. no. I think that he has arthritis in both knees now. I think he should take a long... Great guy. Once again, everyone loves Mike Scott. Pour one out for Zaynib and the Mike Scott Hive. But like, yeah, he's done. But like, we have a new Mike Scott and George Niang. He literally is stiff as hell. All he does is shoot. Not very good on defense. Um, I all I I tweeted like a week ago when Doc was talking about George Niang as a playmaker. And I was like, "Oh, we're fu- we're fucked, dude. We're fucked."
1: I totally forgot. It's also not the four is going to be B ball Paul. No, they all but- bench line up.
0: No, he he's like in the third string still. Like he that's but why would you? Because uh. <laughs> George Niang is all right. First off, he's using George Niang, who's like six foot seven, about the same size as Tobias Harris, and he's using him as a. Sp- but not even as good of a post defender as Tobias Harris and he's using him as the small ball center after refusing to do it with Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris at all last year until the Washington game and it actually turned out to be pretty decent i know it was washington but like no, but now Ben Simmons
1: at 5 is like a thing they should have been trying all year to see if it worked
0: Anything like I, I and, and I and as I said before, I don't think that's gonna work at the highest levels of the playoffs, but you might as well fucking try some shit during the regular season. And like yeah, now you're like, putting the Hang at the five.
1: And now you're gonna do ugh, and like just let B ball Paul play the five. I don't care. Like if you're playing a team that's small, just do it. Like if the other team center is six seven, you're not gonna beat them by playing Drummond unless you're just trying to get rebounds. Like I well, that 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 proved to be the case last night was that
0: w- actually one of the few things that was working for the Sixers' offense
1: was Andre Drummond post-ups, which is horrifying. <laughs> like, like I, why were it part of? So I only watched the first half, and part of why I turned it off was literally because why were they running that play? Like, in what play? world? Like, why were they letting? Andre Drummond take that many post ups? Like, wouldn't you rather watch like what all the young guys can do in a preseason game? Like,
0: yeah, I agree. No, I totally that's agree. Doc emblo-
1: trying to like break my brain. Like, if Drummond has seventeen points and a half, why are we bothering to play a preseason game? <laughs>
0: like, yeah, he looked like Wilt Chamberlain out there in the first half. I was like, oh, this guy is literally unstoppable. And I could see a scenario where you could run some offense in the post through Drummond to kind of eat possessions. When Embiid sits and when, uh, especially just when- slow the clock the
1: down too, yeah. yeah
0: exactly, just like, yeah, you're basically just trying to run out the clock when you don't have Joel Embiid on the court. But there is a lot, it is, it's good when you're playing against an incredible, keep in mind, Toronto doesn't have any players over six foot nine. They're probably going to be the smallest team, like legitimately, like-, like No, I, mean, I know, Precious that's nuts. Yeah. Like, I think Precious Achure or Pascal Siakam are the, are the tallest players on the team. Maybe Kem Birch. But, like, like most teams are not going to be Toronto. Most teams are going to have at least a capable 7-foot guy who could defend Andre Drummond in the post. So, like, as you said, what's the point of that? Like, what, what, like, like yes, yes, you want to see what you have with him. But, like, if you're running the offense through Andre Drummond, especially out of the high post... What the fuck are we even doing here?
1: Yeah, like, I think Drummond will come in handy. Like, I think if we have to play Brooklyn in the playoffs and we get a real player to replace Ben so we have an actual chance, I think Drummond will come in handy. Because the Nets center rotation at this point is tiny. Like, it's LaMarcus Aldridge, and then I forget who they're back, but it's not like the Nets have any huge... Yeah, like, having Andre Drummond and Embiid as a rotation is better than pretty much any other center rotation in the league just by virtue yes, of I, having a lead. Actually, and Drummond is an up, Yeah, I think he's an yeah. upgrade over Dwight. Yeah, I
0: agree. Because he just doesn't foul 40 times per 36 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a, Like, people were like, oh, I don't care about advanced stats because I was like, I don't care about advanced stats either. But Dwight Howard was either a disaster. He was like a disaster, like... of the time. And and keep in mind, part of that is because the Sixers don't have point guards. They don't have creators. They don't have guys who can set up easy. They don't have a LeBron James or someone who can get some sort of offensive utility out of a big like Dwight who who rolls hard to the rim, who catches lobs, who does the things that you want that kind of center to do. But another part of it is the fact that Dwight Howard is one of the dumbest players in the NBA. (laughs) And like, just literally is addicted to fouling people. So that's that will not be an issue, hopefully, as much with Drummond. You might see some bad turnovers like you saw last night, but I don't think that you're going to get out of Drummond. I don't think you're going to get... I mean, just statistically, it's proven that he doesn't foul nearly as much as Dwight Howard.
1: And, like, Drummond is... Dwight has always... Dwight went through his mellow phase, where he had, like, a hard time accepting that he had to be, like, not the most important player on the floor at any given time. And with Drummond, I feel like by the time you sign on to be Joel Embiid's backup, you're, like, humble enough to admit that you, like, know the role you have to play, which has me, like, pretty excited about Drummond, like...
0: My, I, I'm not going to lie, though. A part of me thinks that the reason... Okay, so the reason why he signed with the Lakers last year was because the Lakers promised him a starting role. They basically said, you could start with AD and LeBron, like, and it didn't work out, obviously. There was a lot of reasons why it didn't work out. Andre Drummond was fine with them. Like, I don't think he was great. I don't think he was bad, but he was okay with them. He was proven to be unplayable in some series, some matchups, And I still do fear that the Sixers might not have an answer when he is unplayable in a playoff series. But I will say the one thing about Andre Drummond is I think the thing that scares me is like the fact that he, he probably signed on to be with the Sixers because they kind of pitched to him. Like when Joel sits, you can be Joel.
1: That's, and Doc is going to play him because Doc loves playing old guys over young guys.
0: And so also guess, like Drummond, Drummond was way better than Paul Reed last night. Like Paul Reed, he's a good energy guy off the bench, but like I still struggle to see what NBA role he has unless he can become like a really good shooter and a more consistent defender.
1: I just feel like Drummond, at least you have like a guy who will fight for rebounds and try to get blocks, which like from a backup center is pretty much all you can hope for, especially when your starting center is the best or no, I'm gonna yeah, best center in the league. Like you don't Drummond's going to play, what, 15 minutes a night? Yeah, I mean, that's the hope.
0: is that, And that when Joel is out, that, that Drummond can do... Okay, so one of the things that Dwight was really bad at because of the fouls and the stupid plays was when Joel was out, Dwight was a disaster. Like he like Tony Bradley was better as the starting center for the Sixers. Mike Scott was better as the starting center for the Sixers than Dwight Howard was like, he was okay as a backup at times, but like largely you're hoping that Drummond can at least fill that role better than Dwight Howard.
1: Genuine question. Let's say that all we get for Ben are picks. How many games do you think Joel plays this season? Because I think I that's mean, really going to affect... Because if our replacement for Ben is three first-round picks and we wait for someone to become available, there's no point in playing Joel every night to...
0: Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Is like, do you take it easy with Joel, or is he going to... Wa- he wants to play every game. Like they sure, have to- He wants to
1: win MVP. So, like, at that point, you got to let him, but...
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I think that I I would be worried about the games played. I would worry about the load that, that Joel will have to take as the offensive and defensive center without Ben, it's going to make his hard, his life harder on defense without Ben, it's going to make his life harder on offense. And then on top of that, you have the fact that like how many minutes per game can this guy really play and then hopefully stay healthy? Like I, before I watched anything before I, I, I heard the quotes coming out of training camp before all this, there, the optimistic part of my brain was, like, I still think that this team could be good even if Ben doesn't play because of the fact that, like, we'll, we'll get progression from the young guys and Embiid will be hungry and, like, we'll dominate when Embiid's on the court. But the more I think about the reality without Ben Simmons and then with Joel Embiid's injury history, with his durability questions, like, I really think there's a scenario where I could see the Sixers, like, as good as the Eastern Conference is right now, like – possibly the seven seed like a play-in team
1: yeah there's like a world in which they end as the six or seven seed that like haunts me because they could absolutely lose a play-in game like the sixers lose a lot of games in really dumb ways they just always have maybe maybe i just notice it because i watch them but like every philly team loses a lot of stupid games constantly (laughs) (laughs) that's it baby it's just with the Sixers, I could absolutely see them losing a playing game for, like, the dumbest reason imaginable. Like, Joel gets ejected for taunting, like, eight minutes into the game, boom, the season's over. Like...
0: <laughs> or, like, how many times has Joel been healthy for the first playoff game?
1: That's a very fair point.
0: He missed 2017-2018, he missed 2018-2019, and then he was injured in the Wizards series later in the series.
1: Yeah, like you can't the Sixers should never put themselves in a situation where you need to win one or two games because Joel's <laughs> health is just like a constant question mark.
0: Exactly. And that and that is the scenario that we could find ourselves in. Like ultimately, I think if Ben reports and shows up and is at least 50% engaged and he plays and all that shit, like there's a scenario where they could be a top 4 seed again. If he gets traded and they get a decent return for him, there's a scenario where they could be a top 4 top 3 seed who knows it, the the reality is they're probably going to fall somewhere in between our highest hopes and our lowest like reality and it will prob they'll probably end up in that like 4 to 6 range
1: no matter what happens they're not winning the title this year because even if they get a guy it's going to take a while for them to figure it out is kind of my thinking yeah. but if you yeah, get unless, a
0: guy you're lillard ass out there not getting it yeah, unless
1: well if they if Dame there. asks out, it's like an entirely different game. Because if Dame and Joel are on the same basketball team, they're that's like as good a one and two as the Nets to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's Meanwhile, kind of if the you scenario like, they're in.
1: If you get like Fox and Buddy, it's like a lot less exciting.
0: <laughs> but at the same time, that would be a dream at this point, And I don't even oh, think it that's would realistic. Be.
1: No, yeah. well, it's like when like, people what, were talking about like what would the Timberwolves have to give up, and it's like, well, they're not giving up D'Lo because the Sixers don't want him, and he's Cat's best friend. They're not giving up Edwards, and they're not giving up Cat. Then, like, what do they have?
0: Nothing like Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels and picks. Like, like if if that is what appeals to the Sixers, they have to have like Daryl Maury has said, Kyle Newbeck has reported. If they take a picks package back, as you were suggesting, like they they have another trade set up and they're just waiting for it to
1: happen, which is kind of what I think is happening now. Like I think their trade for Ben to the Wolves is done.
0: But here's the thing: here's and I've heard this too because they're saying, well, they want to wait until December or January when free agents that signed this past summer can be traded. But I'm like. Bro, there was, like, 20 free agents this year. Like, there were, well, like, the, no free agents. I know it's for contracts, but still. That's why
1: Dane wants to wait.
0: Because Be, of the Knicks?
1: Yeah, because of the Knicks, which is what I think is going to happen, and I'm already mad about it.
0: That would suck, but I'm also, like, why would you even want to do Like, there's no, like, the any trade that the Knicks make to get Damian Lillard is not going to make them a contender this year. It would take at least another year or two for them to get make another star trade or get someone in free agency, like, Dame on the Knicks, with what they have to give up to get Dame, is a worse team than the Blazers.
1: True, especially because his best—like, CJ McCollum is better than Julius Randall. And it's not—
0: At least in terms of, like, I think playoffs, like like what you want out of guys—
1: Meanwhile, if I like Dame and Joel has been like my white whale for like five years. And now that it's getting closer and closer to reality, it's like all that I can think about. And it just pains me that like Dame doesn't want to seem to come to Philadelphia or else he would have asked for a trade already. Yep,
0: Yeah. That's, that's what I keep telling everyone. And like now the rumors that are coming up about Ben Simmons are like getting more and more depressing. Like. Oh, the Pacers, like a report from Ian Bangley came out this morning that was like, the Pacers might uh, be interested in trading for Ben Simmons still. A deal centered around Karis Levert, and I'm like, really? We're going to, we went Levert, from James,
1: like...
0: we wanted James Harden, and then we wanted Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal, and now we're settling for like the fucking, the the impoverished version of these guys.
1: Yeah, like we're settling for be- we're settling for two-time All Stars, not ten-time All Stars, and there's like an enormous gap LeVert between those two make- worlds.
0: He's yeah, Karis Levert is never making an All Star deal. Like Karis no. LeVert, I, I, but I said this is like people talk about Karis Levert like he's 22. He was 22 when he came into the league. He's like fucking 30, dude.
1: <laughs> and what sucks too is like the Harden trade. It seems like Houston only involved the Sixers to fuck with them over Maury, which is, like, its own bullshit, but, like, they won. Like, if the Rockets' goal was to simultaneously, like, fuck up the Sixers' culture and get a return for Harden, they got a bad return for Harden, but they ruined the Sixers. Like, if their whole goal was to just, like, make Daryl Maury's life hell for leaving them, they accomplished it 100%.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that uh, the scenario, which would be funny because, yeah, then Karis Levert, they end up trading Karis Levert, and now the idea that Karis Levert could be the return in a Ben Simmons trade, we have gone in less than a calendar year from thinking we were going to get James Harden to thinking we were going to get a guy who Houston didn't even want. (laughs) (laughs) Take the corpse of Victor Oladipo instead.
1: Also, if you're Ben Simmons, why would you rather be in Minnesota? uh,
0: I think he'd just rather be anywhere but here,
1: but that's what I don't get
0: like I think, I, I think I don't... Kind of... okay but let let me there are people on Twitter that are posting themselves as uh <laughs> as babies with diapers on. <laughs>
1: True, fair. I was going to say, like, are Philly fans that bad? And then I remembered, like, yes, I'm that bad. I'm Philly fans. The most – all right. Like, but I, I feel like he's seen – like, the most fun I've ever had at a Sixers game. I went to the first Minnesota game in Philly after the Jimmy trade – where Jimmy just wanted to murder the Timberwolves. Like, it, it was clear his, like, everyone on the team was on the same page. And it was like, we're going to get Jimmy the ball every time he's on the court. He's going to go at Cat. Like, we're going to switch him onto Cat just to fuck with him. And I feel like you've seen Philly fans in that world where everybody's like crying with joy. And I just don't understand why you'd want to leave that fan base to go to Minnesota so you can play with a worse center.
0: Because all right, I think there's two elements to this. The first element is I think that I think that Ben never really bought into all that stuff here. Like like ben, like someone brought it up like it's so easy to pander to Philadelphia fans like Bryce oh, yeah. Harper
1: unbelievably
0: like Bryce Harper's a fucking MAGA Republican barstool guy. And even he was like, oh, all I have to do is, like, tweet, like, something about the Eagles and, like, eat a cheesesteak and, like, say how much I love the city. And he figured out how to pander to these – I don't follow baseball, but I've heard he's done these things.
1: Bryce Harper and, will tweet things like, what do I do? Sheets or wah-wah? Like, shit like that. And everyone goes nuts because it's like, man, he really loves PA. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ben's never given a shit because he thought he was too famous for the NBA to begin with. Like, Ben came into the league and thought he was going to be LeBron and that he'd be famous no matter where he was and that the Sixers were beneath him.
0: Pretty much. I mean, he was since even even before we had the idea that Ben Simmons was going to be traded and even the hard before that, it was very obvious the second he got the chance to go to L.A., he was going to do that.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. He's going to be in L.A. the moment this contract is up.
0: And that's part of the reason why I think he doesn't really care what his next team is, because he's like, I just want to get out of Philly where the situation has soured so poorly that now maybe I could just go to Minnesota, Indiana, help those teams be competitive. And the expectation for winning in those cities is going to be significantly lower in the cat situation, I think he views cat as like, kind of like the yin and yang to his game. Like cat's a stretch pig who likes to play out of the perimeter. Ben can play inside, but like the idea, and like, he can cover up for some of cat's weaknesses on defense. Like, I think that he sees that as his way of like reestablishing his value and like his status in the league. And then from there, he'll just be like, All right, had a few good years.
1: See ya, going to LA. Take care. True, and if Ben's on Minnesota, he instantly, like, they're still going to have a bad defense, but he brings them out of the gutter on his own. Yeah, I mean, him and, if they could, well, that's the
0: thing, is, like, he'll probably have to trade Pat Beverly, but, like, if they even had, like, Josh Okogie and, like, Ben Simmons, and, like, they could, I don't know how many negative half-court offensive players you could play but they at least could have a like a and like Anthony Edwards will at least theoretically get better on defense. Cat isn't as bad of a defender as I think people make him out to be. I don't think he's like fucking Ennis Cantor.
1: Like he he's can- like Harden, where like he's not the worst yes. defender in the league. It's just when you see him fuck up, it's unbelievably funny. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's a perfect example of like they just don't really
0: give a shit sometimes. Like like they have they have ability on the defensive end they have certain things that they're good at but as you said it, like they look like a fucking klutz when they fuck and also, up like, when's the
1: last time Katz had a good reason to try on defense like he hasn't been on a competitive team since Jimmy left I wouldn't give a shit if I were him yeah, and they're trying
0: to they're trying the Jokic thing where they bring Cat up to the level and they don't make, play him in drop coverage as much and and he can essentially like it, it will definitely unlock a little bit more of Cat's athleticism on the defensive end because he's an incredibly athletic guy and I and one of the more underrated players in the league I think but like like just back to the Karis Lavert thing like I just want to like like end with this like yeah. if we were, if we were to trade for Okay, so people had said to me, all right, so what if the Pacers traded us Brogdon and Karis LeVert and Picks? First off, I don't think Indiana would do that because the only guard left on their team would be TJ McConnell. And we know how that goes when TJ McConnell and Ben Simmons are your guards. We also know how it goes when you play Ben Simmons with two bigs a guy who's kind of like Tobias Harris and TJ Warren, who's also coming off multiple injuries. Like you're just recreating the 2019, 2026ers, but worse if you do this. So, that trade doesn't make any sense to me from Indiana's perspective. From the Sixers' perspective, that's one that I think if you were to get two players, it would interest me enough because you could maybe use Lavert in that six man role where he can kind of be your bench shot creator. Like, I think everyone thinks that Caris Levert is like this bucket, like, oh, all he does is score and like whatever. Like, he's actually better. He would be by far the best passer on the Sixers if he were traded to the Sixers and we got rid of Ben. Like, he's a decent passer, a decent defender, and. He's actually a horribly inefficient
1: shooter and scorer. And then Brogdon would just be a better starting point guard than Tyrese Maxey. Like that's all that Brogdon would have to be, is like an above-level, like an average starting NBA point guard. Yeah, like he's he's
0: point guard Tobias Harris, as I've explained before. Like he's Yeah,
1: he'll never be an all-star. He's gonna be like, oh, almost was an all-star, like every year for his whole career. <laughs> was considered, like, received votes, but never will actually be,
0: like, a full-on all-star. But, like, it, you could talk me into, and this is an idea I've had before, where you could talk me into where you essentially just get Joel Embiid and, and then Andre Drummond is the backup center. I'm rolling my eyes. But, like, you you essentially get, like, two bigs like that, and then the rest of the players in your rotation are perimeter guys. They're either yeah, that, shooters, they're shooters, or they're creating from the top of the key. They're getting their own shots. They're setting up teammates. Like, you could talk me into that. But once again, as Mike brought up on an episode a few episodes ago, he's like, you could talk me into that, and then we'll run into the Nets in the playoffs and get destroyed.
1: <laughs> but at that point, you've just got to hope the Nets have nobody who can stop Joel. Like, that's the flip side of that. If the Nets want to get cute and say... We're going to play five perimeter guys. They're going to have a lot of fun when Durant has to guard Joel Embiid in the post. That's what you would hope for. But, like, as we've, as Atlanta just proved, like the
0: offense, and the offense was good when Joel was on the court. Like, it wasn't as good as it was before. Like, it wasn't fucking dominant. Like, it was against the Wizards and in the regular season, but it was good enough. It was when Joel sat that we really struggled. And it's like, can Joel ever be the guy that plays 40 minutes capably in the playoffs? Like, can those other guys take enough of the load off of his back from an offensive creation standpoint and a defensive standpoint that he isn't a fucking zombie by the fourth quarter? And, like, can... Yeah, like,
1: Because like, uh, well, that's the yeah. most mythical number in the NBA is Joel Embiid's on-off. It's yep. like, Joel Embiid's plus-minus. It's like plus 35 when he's on the court, minus 37 when he's off. And it's like, well, come on. It's like 15 minutes. How can you not just, like, keep shit but- afloat? <laughs> Problem is that they're
0: still doing the same thing. They're trying to get a, a facsimile version of Joel Embiid. Like Andre Drummond will never be Joel Embiid. Dwight Howard will never be Joel Embiid. Any of his backups will never be Joel Embiid. And even and if you're yeah. the sixth player from Ben Simmons to someone else, like you're gonna have this issue if you think you could just play that. Like you have to come up with a different style when he sits.
1: And that's why I love, like, the idea of Isaiah Joe, because, like, if you're not going to be able to defend when Joel Embiid isn't on the floor, why not just let him, like, why not just let a bunch of guys go out there and gun? Just, like, try to match with him.
0: That's, and that's, that was somewhat the plan when Joel was out for games last year. They would shoot a ton of threes. They would just let Ben fucking distribute, get hit open guys. And they would essentially just hope that they could score enough points. But for some reason, Doc 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 has boomer mindset for two things, specific, three things specifically. One, vets, even if they're bad, will always be better than young guys. Two, you need a traditional point guard. You need Tyrese Maxey to be Rajon Rondo. He can't be his own player. He can't figure out a role where he can just be a bucket getter he has to also be the guy who runs the offense and sets everyone up and then three the idea that you're ever giving up anything on defense for him just is like no we could never do that even though you're like in the wizards game perfect example is like the defense was much worse than it was when Joel played in that game when you played Ben at the five. That is to be expected, but the offense was so much better that it didn't matter because you still won the fucking game.
1: And that's what's so frustrating is Doc is insistent on this idea that like we need to be a strong defensive team when Joel isn't off the floor so we don't hemorrhage points. But every time we try that, we hemorrhage points because no one can fucking score.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter if you can't it literally all the, the, the tagline of this episode is the game is about a bucket. Quote, <laughs> <Bill Russell>. It's <laughs> just also, like that's
1: not That's why like I yeah, I just didn't get why like I don't know they should just fire Doc now and hire Dantoni. I don't care about the culture. <laughs> Fuck defense.
0: We need all offense and vibes. We need a vi- and, and once again, vibes curator, get a vibes curator in here to, to get all the bad vibes out from the end of last season.
1: Exactly. So that's my, that's my big tagline for this episode is Phil Jackson to the Sixers. <laughs> I still think you set up cause it's a perfect triangle team. Maxi runs the offense Tobias sits at the midpoint and then beat in the post. Boom. You just run the triangle. Three-peat.
0: <laughs> Anywhere he goes, he 3 So at least he's had three different 3 So like the odds of him coming here, running the triangle offense, maybe, maybe he gives Isaiah Joe and Furkan Korkmaz some tabs of acid. Maybe they go to fucking Burning Man. Maybe they go to- Exactly. To find... <laughs> like they find themselves, like Tobias becomes this spiritual guy. Well, and like also you-,
1: know, you... My last thought on this, you get Phil Jackson, boom, Kyrie doesn't want to retire anymore if he's traded to the Sixers. (laughs) This is Floyd being chess. chess. (laughs) There's levels to
0: this shit, dude. And and, and we'll close on a tweet that I had last week, which was exactly what you're talking about right now, and it was Maury sitting at the chessboard, and it says, when you realize that the untapped market for players is unvaccinated players, the market
1: inefficiency (laughs) He's going to trade for all the unvac... I was kind of excited when they might have had to trade Wiggins. I would have taken, like, Wiggins and picks You are down horrendously bad. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, that's a good place to end it. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if, if anyone wants to follow Chill Stable Guy, it's literally at Chill Stable Guy. Fiona, Neck, Fiona Apple Neck Tattoo. <laughs> I won't use your real name. We'll keep you anonymous as the diaper Ben Simmons guy. And I appreciate you coming on and talking. I'll definitely have to have you on again.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me come on. Peace, bud. See you.